men they sat there. Blog Talk and, uh, Radio. He was the first one up. And when he stood up to preach, they all stood up. And after service was over, I went to Dick Fellow sitting on the front row. I said, Brother, I said, how come you don't stood up when he stood up? He said, You stood up when the judge stood up, don't you? And I said, Yeah. He said, Well, the man of God is more important than the judge. <laughs> I said, That's a good point. I like that. But y'all ain't got to stand up when I said, All right. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see y'all this morning. All right. I tell you what let's do. Let's all stand together. Let's take us one of these red all American hymn church hymnals. And we're gonna to turn to number seventy two. Sing my Savior's love for me. Number seventy two. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned and clean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my soul shall ever be. Amen. My, 
my destiny is settled, amen, I know where I'll spend eternity, and what a relief that is, amen. That's the greatest love message I've ever been given, is that Jesus loved me in spite of my sins and paid the debt for me, amen. It's good to be in church with you this morning, and glad to see so many of you that came today, amen. We got prayer request time. Y'all got prayer requests? Anybody? Miss Charlotte? Can't pray that to you. Yes, ma'am. Somebody else? Anybody? Thursday. Let's pray for Brother Dan. Let's pray that Brother Dan gets gets some things fixed. Let's pray that they begin to get his health under control. Because it's, it's tough when you're struggling, brother, and I know you're struggling. We will lift you up in prayer. God give you some mercy and help. Somebody else? Y'all be in prayer for the family. God comfort them. Yes. Give them, pray God give them comfort. Um, y'all remember, please remember to pray for my friend Carl Cullum. Who's, he's, uh, we've been praying for him. He's in the hospital in Dallas. We're cooking right after heart surgery, and his kidneys were having a hard time waking up. And they still have not, but they're trying to get fluid off of him. And, but he's starting to do better, and we're starting to see progress. So I just want to praise God for that and uh, and let and let Tina know, his wife, that we're praying for them. And uh, and that God will that God will restore him to health. Um, I'm trying to think, there's another one too. It's right fresh on my mind. And, oh yes, uh, my wife's my wife's uh, cousin Lori's husband named Dale Meyer over in Dallas. He uh, he liked to have died here last last week or two weeks ago. I'd mentioned something about praying for him, but uh, he has now come down with that Guillain Barre syndrome, whatever that affects your your nervous system and. And the paralysis was moving up his body, and they were afraid his lungs were going to be paralyzed. And, and so she was just frantically asking for prayer requests last night. So please remember to pray for Dale Meyer and his family. Are there any others? Uh, let's remember to pray for that family as well. A lot of people hurting, a lot of people grieving, going through things. We just need to lift people up, you know. We can't. We, we can say words of comfort to them when we pray for them. We're really doing something. And I'm not saying we shouldn't comfort them with words. We should. But when we pray, we've done a whole lot more than our words ever can. Amen. Well, well, I'm pretty sure too. Still, and I'm pretty sure he probably knows right where she's at. But yeah, and we rejoice in that. Amen. But it's still tough. It's still tough. All right. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's let's get ready to go to the Lord in prayer this morning, and uh, Robert lead us in prayer. Amen. Let's turn to 302. 302. Jesus 
loves even me. Amen. I guess we're on a love thing this morning. Amen. What greater love is there than the love he has for me? Amen.
I've read the poem. There was some, there was some illness during that time, and, and so you know, there's a lot of things that are happening there, causing doors to close. And I'm sure he was questioning, saying, "God, what is up here? What are you trying to do? You know, you called me, you sent me, and I ain't gonna let go. I gotta sit and wait." And I'll tell you, sometimes those, those, those times in our life are ordained by God. There are times, I had a friend of mine told me this years ago, said, there are times of wasting that you will go through. You will not understand why you must go through those times of wasting. But God, you know, when, when Elijah, Elijah, right after Mount Carmel experience, he had a time of wasting where he sat down by the brook, feeling sorry for himself. And God allowed that. Sometimes we don't always know what God's going to do next, and we, we get in a hurry, and we get anxious, and we get bummed out when God doesn't move fast as we want him to, and, you know, well, that's just like that. God's going to move when God's going to move, and he's not going to talk to your schedule. So, now, well, just relax, because <laughs> God's got it, amen? But anyway, I, I digress. Following this vision, Silas, Timothy, they travel to Macedonia, where they, where they meet Luke. And uh, so they come, they come to Philippi, which is the first large city. Like Neapolis is the, is the little coastal town. There probably wasn't many people there. It was probably just a little port town. And, and so they went to the first big city, which is Philippi. And Philippi, again, it's a large city. There's, uh, there's a lot of different types of people, a lot of different uh, uh, cultures and things there. And it was a Roman colony. So... Rome was ruling the empire still. They have been all during the, life, the earthly life and ministry of Jesus, but they're, they're still in Roman, uh, Roman rule is everywhere. But this is a colony, a Roman colony, so that means the rulers of the city were Roman. And, again, there's a lot of different types of people there. But this, this experience for Paul is a little bit different from the others that he went, he went to Cyprus and he, he went to uh, some other places, uh, Lystra and Derby. There were synagogues in those cities. But when he gets over here to Philippi, there ain't no welcoming committee waiting on him. Now, you would think it would be, right? He had a vision. Come on over here and help us. I bet he thought when he got there, they going to be a, you know, be a marching band met him out there on the street. And, you know, come on in, Paul. we got a nice little parsonage for you to sleep in there. We'll feed you meals. There wasn't none of that. Wasn't nothing. Nobody. Strangers everywhere. Amen. I think that old Ralph Stanley song. Seemed they were all like strangers to me. Didn't know one of them. Amen. Wasn't nobody to feel for me. And uh, so they probably had to go find them a motel. Wasn't a whole day in, but I bet they were somewhere to stay, and I bet it cost them some money out of their own pockets. You know? Ministry ain't the way it's supposed to be, was it, Paul? We got to our own way. So God was going on these doors. What's going on here, man? So, you know, they didn't have any friends there. There wasn't nobody offering to feed them no meals. They had to go buy their own meals. They, they had to go find something to eat. They hurried there. Now they had to wait. Hurry up and wait. Don't you hate that? I hate that when I hurry up and I have to wait. Rush to get somewhere and then people you're going to meet ain't there and you just got to sit still and get those. <clears throat> God seems to be teaching Paul something. He seems to be teaching Paul about doing things his way and in his time and not according to Paul's way and Paul's time. I mean, that's something you got to learn as a Christian. And I had to learn it as a pastor. 
Things don't move when I get ready to move. Things move when God gets ready to move. And, and again, every decision you make in life, ought to, you ought to be letting God guide you in those decisions. You ought to be letting God lead you in those decisions and not making decisions upon your own. What does the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and help me off, lean not unto thine own understanding. So we need to trust God and follow him, and that's what Paul and were learning. So, again... They hurried there, now they got away. There was no grand open door for them when they got there, like they thought there was going to be. There was only waiting. There was no open platform. There was, like I said, there was no synagogue. So what were they always doing? They went to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Well, they've landed there. Where's the Jews? There is no, there is no synagogue. So for the meantime, there's no audience. I mean, there were the pagan temples, but Paul wasn't going to go to the pagan temples to preach. And, by the way, I don't think I'd want to go down to the bar room, stay in the middle of the bar room, and preach neither. I don't think I'd want to go down to some strip club and preach in the middle of that neither. I mean, that's basically what the pagan temples were like for the most part back then, because you're doing it's nothing but heathens, and it's nothing but fleshly, lustful things. And, and so they weren't going to those places. They weren't going to be associated with those places. So what are they going to do? Well, it seems that they may have just asked around, you know, are there any are there any Jews at all in Philippi? Anybody? I mean, there wasn't even enough for what to call a quorum. There, the, 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 the quorum is ten men. There had to be ten men in order to, uh, to according to Jewish law, to have like a, a, a prayer group or, or begin a synagogue or anything like that. Ten you have ten men, uh, and they didn't have that. It was not that. So somebody told them, said, you know, there's a group of proselytes, the women, that meets down the road about a mile and a half outside the gates by the river. That's the only Jews we know of. Now, that ain't with the Bible, but I know that must have had to be a conversation because that's how they got it. That's where they went. So... And they met. They met at the river every Saturday on the Sabbath day to 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 pray. So anyway, let's get into scripture. And from there to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in the city abiding certain days. So a considerable amount of time passed with nothing happening. Verse thirteen. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted. Thither. So I see some things when they walked up on this crowd of women. I see some things because we're going to address Lydia. We don't know anything about any of the other women that were there. The Word of God doesn't speak about those other women. It specifically speaks about this one woman, Lydia. And so what we see, first of all, in verse 13, the Bible says prayer was willing to be made. So this woman had a desire to talk to God. That's the first thing we see about this woman, Lydia. She had a desire to talk to God. She was a proselyte. She was a woman of, of the Apparus, and she was a she was a Gentile by birth, and she had she had evidently at some point in her life realized, hey, there is a God, and I need to get to know Him. However, that took place. She had a desire to talk to God, so she she found the Jewish religion, and she said, oh, well, I can identify that that's God, and I want to talk to Him. Well, she's living now in the city of Philippi, and there is no synagogue, there are no. Jewish elders. There. So what does she do? She finds there are some other Jewish women in the in the city of Philippi, 
and they get together, and they're like, well, there's no synagogue, there's no place for us to go worship. Well, the least we can do, we can all gather, and we'll get outside the city where we won't bother these pagans, we'll go down here quiet by the river, and we'll pray to God. We'll talk there. And that's what was happening. She had a desire to talk to God. Amen? You know what? That's the first thing you have when you begin to think about getting saved. You know, you better, you're going to have to talk to God about it because you can't get it nowhere else. Amen? Proverbs 8, 17 says, God says, I love them that love me. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. She wasn't saved yet, but she was seeking God. She had a desire in her heart. I need to know the one true God. Number two, I see that not only that, but she had a desire for fellowship. Like I said, there may not have been enough Jewish men there to form a, a quorum of ten men, but the small group of women, they didn't let that prevent them from coming together to pray. They had real needs. They had real burdens, and they knew they had a real God, and so they knew that they come together to pray. They're strengthened praying together. I'm sure they all prayed together separately throughout the week. But on that one day of the week, they saw that it was needful that they met together. There's something in us that says, I need to get with other people who think like I do. Amen. Listen, I mean, everywhere, whether you're in a car club or, or you're in a bowling club or whether you go to church, you get with like-minded people. And this woman said, I need to get together with like-minded people in fellowship. Amen. I'll look at verse 14. And certain, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Theatira, Theatira, I can say it, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So I see that, number one, she had that desire to talk to God. She had a desire to fellowship. But she had another desire in her, too. She had a desire to worship you can't love God and not worship God. Amen? That, that, that's how you express your love to God is by worshiping Him and giving Him the praise that's due. And in light of everything that He has done for me up to this point, I owe Him a lot of praise. And I dare say if you looked in the mirror at yourself, you owe Him a lot of praise for all He's done for you. She had a desire to worship. You know, she she did. And she could she could stay home. I'm sure she could. Who was going to get on to her? There were no priests to fuss at her. There wasn't no committee to call her up and say, "We didn't see you in the movement week." There wasn't nobody to fuss at her. She could have done anything she wanted to on Saturday, but she had a desire to worship God. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 25. And by the way, I'm glad you're all here this morning. Amen. I'm not pushing at you for being here. I'm, I'm thankful you're here. I'm just going to read you what the Scripture says, though. There's a desire to worship. Hebrews 10, 25. It tells us to not, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Now, what is he referring to there's a manner of some is? Well, there's some people that don't like to come to church. There's some people that don't want to get together and worship. There's some people don't think it's important that they be there. There's some people don't see the need. Well, when God shows you that need. You'll see it then. You'll see it then. When you finally finally get your eyes off of all the garbage in this world and you finally fix them in the Lord Jesus Christ, and when you finally understand what he did for you and how he paid your sin debt and your sins are washed away in his blood, man, I'll tell you, and his friend loving you, and you say, I don't want to stay away from that. I want to draw near as I can. I want to get as close. 
nothing, I still can give him nothing. But what he gives me to give back to him. Amen. I have not a single thing in me that's any good. I am worthless from the top to the bottom except for what God has done in my life. And I owe him everything for that. And so for that reason, I want to worship him. I want to gather together with other believers. I want to rejoice in the fact that we're saved. Amen. We're all saved if we're washed in the blood of Jesus. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We've got a home waiting on us in heaven. Praise God. We're paid for. Because of that, I want to worship him. Amen. I want to give him the glory he's due. He said, don't forsake that as a matter of some it, but exhorting one another. That means encouraging one another to go to church. And so much the more, he said, as you see the day approaching. I mean, we ought to encourage one another to be in the Lord's house. We ought to encourage others to come to the Lord's house. She had a desire to worship. Again, as Jewish proselytes, they were living in a Roman rule pagan society. They didn't have the favor of society. Everybody wasn't happy they were going to meet and serve and worship the Jewish God, as they saw him. They weren't happy about that. In fact, they had a disdain for that. So in order to meet, like I said, they had to go a good distance outside the city where they went around them and meet by the riverside. And they gathered together and they prayed together. They lifted up one another's burdens. They, they, they cared for one another's needs and they shared in those burdens together. And again, it wasn't held out of compulsion, but because they loved God and because they sought to have a deeper relationship with him. I said, number three, she had a desire to worship. Number four, God responded. She had a desire to pray. She had a desire to fellowship. She had a desire to worship. She was seeking God, wasn't she? You know what? God saw that, didn't he? God saw that. Amen. Hey, he saw that. Well, here. God saw that before there was ever a world anyway. But God, when Paul and, and them were rolling around over here and not knowing which way to go, God already had many over here, and he was waiting on them to get ready to go to it. You see, God saw over there this woman with a heart burning for him, and there's nobody there in that region to give her the gospel. There's nobody who can reach her in that area. So what does he do? He gets a hold of old Paul. Gives him a vision in the middle of the night. Come over here and help us. Again, he got over there. Help him. Help him. He's looking for a synagogue full of men he can reach. No, it's just one old woman down there by the riverside. Just one woman. Somebody was like, well, that wasn't much of a missionary trip. Well, let's just wait and see what's going to happen. She responded. When God God responded to her, amen, he, look at what he did. He opened her heart. Look here in verse 4, or 14 rather. She worshiped God. She heard us. Look at the next phrase. Whose heart the Lord opened. You will never get saved until the Lord opens your heart. I could stand there and talk to somebody and tell them everything there is to know about the gospel of the Lord Jesus, all about the blood, all about his death, burial, and resurrection. I could tell them all about every little detail. And with as much passion as I could muster, I could weep, shed big crocodile tears, and have snot coming out of my nose, weeping and begging on bended knees. But I can tell you right now, that won't get anybody saved. If I could cut myself and stand here and bleed out begging somebody, God has to open a heart. That heart can't receive it unless God opens it. 
God opened her heart. You know, just like just like Jesus did those men on the road to Emmaus. Listen to that, Luke twenty four thirty two. They said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? They read them scriptures their whole life, but when Jesus opened their heart to receive it, you know what the light came on. Paul spoke about opening eyes and understanding in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 1 and verse 18. He said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. You see, God has to open your eyes. Before all that just sounds like big pie in the sky talk. Big man upstairs and all that stuff. But once God opens your eyes, you can see what you cannot see. You can see you can see beyond this world. You can see there's an eternity there. There is a heaven and a hell. And you've got to choose wisely if you're going to believe on his on his provision, his sacrifice, or whether you're going to trust your own works. God sent a love letter. He sent a love letter to Lydia that day. I would some a preacher friend of mine online yesterday, he was he was poking, he said tip of the cap to all the preachers who don't preach on Jesus giving a Valentine to you tomorrow. But I'm not trying to do that. I told him, I said, well, just lined up. Amen. I can't help that. God did. He gave her a love letter. Amen. He spoke to her heart. He opened her heart. He showed her his love. Amen. He gave her the eyes of understanding. You know what happened? She believed. Isn't that amazing? When God opened her heart and she saw the truth, she said, I want that. Again, verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, the seller of purple in the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. She believed the gospel. Well, what do you think Paul said to her? I think I knew what he said to her. He preached her what he called my gospel. Amen. First Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. He gave her the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Wherein I, which I preached unto you, which ye have received. Amen. It's the gift of God. Not works, they say he should boast. You received it, amen, by faith. Wherein you stand, amen. I'm saved. I can say I, I'm saved because I stand in that belief in Christ and what he's done. Which ye also received, wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved. And he goes on to say, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I think I'll just hit on that for a minute. You read that, you might say, well, what is he trying to say there? By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. That's what people call empty believism. Y'all ever heard of empty believism? You ever heard a preacher say, hey, come down here and say some words. Pray this prayer. I'm going to say, I've said this before, and I'm
believe on that chair because it had, I had faith that it would hold me up and it held. I tell you something, I don't believe, I don't think I'm saved because I believe that Jesus was a historical figure that died on the cross a long time ago. I, that's not where I'm saved. I believe that he did that and he did that for me and that he was raised from this reading. Maybe this is reading. To believe in vain means I believe, I, I just believe that because somebody told me I think I got saved. No, I had an experience of grace. It was real. It was genuine. He said, he said, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. He said, I got it first. I couldn't give it to you if I hadn't got it first. Hey, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Why did Christ die? He died because of our sins. He died because of our sins. He did not just die so you could get a key into heaven. He died for our sins. He suffered for our sins. He bled. He was in agony for our sins. If you are saved this morning, you are saved from your sins. Preacher, why are you emphasizing it so much? Because people miss that and they go to hell. If you, you know, if you ask everybody in the world, you want to go to heaven? Sure, we want to go to heaven. That don't make everybody saved. You have a desire to go to heaven and go to hell. But you have to come through the right door. You can't just go any door you want to. There ain't, you can't just go through a window. Listen, you got to come through the door. Jesus said, I am the door. The door. I am, he said in, in John in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There ain't no other way. So when, when Paul says he died for our sins according to the Scriptures, he did it exactly how God said it had to be done, and that he was buried. He was buried according to the Scriptures. The same God said it had to be done, and then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Exactly. Every giant and tittle was completed. Everything. Down to the last thing he cried on the cross we talked about. Remember he just, who had to say, I first. Why? So the Scriptures be fulfilled. Everything else was finished. And Jesus had to say, I first. So every jot and every tittle was done. And she, you know what? She believed. She said, wow, that's what I needed. She believed the gospel. Have you believed the gospel? Are you trusting in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you leaning on some man-made idea of how to get saved? Because I can tell you, if a preacher tells you anything other than what the Bible says, that preacher's a liar. I don't care who tells you anything different. If, it, it's, if it's other than what the Scripture says, you can, you can throw that aside. The Bible says, verse 15, And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there, and she constrained us. So we see, we see next that she was baptized. You know, that's important. It's not essential for salvation, not by any means. Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, Dr. John R. Rice that I mentioned earlier this morning, him and, and Dr. Bob Jones Sr. They said it was arguing one time. They used to preach together, one being a Baptist and the other being a Methodist, but they were both fundamental to the core when it came to the Bible. They were both King James. And they used to argue all the time about because you know Bob Jones was a Methodist and he used to 
real brother, Dr. Rice, he said, oh, brother Rice, he said, I'd like a man go to heaven dry clean if he wanted to. Amen. Baptism not what saves you, but it's an answer to good testimony. What are we saying? I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm publicly identifying. I'm relating my experience of grace by being baptized, signifying my belief and my faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what baptism was. And she wanted to do it right then. She wanted to get baptized immediately. Why? Because I love him. And he loves me. And I want to let the world know that I love Jesus. And he loves me. And I'm going to be with him when I die. And I'm not ashamed to let the world know that. What did she do then? Well, the second thing she did, the Bible said, and her household, so she went and won her household to Christ. Boy, this is powerful. This is important stuff, folks. I'm going to tell you, she wasn't just happy to get saved. She didn't say, well, I got my taken care of. That's all. No. She got saved. She got baptized. She said, you know what? Everybody in my house needs to know what I just found out. I got to go tell them. So who was in her household? The Bible doesn't tell us who exactly was in her household. There were some people there, though, I'm going to tell you. There's some things about Lydia that need to be pointed out. First of all, she couldn't keep this great love a secret from those closest to her. And that, that's, that's understandable. Right? But, again, and she immediately went and shared it with her household. With that, her household. You know what it tells me? There was no man at home. She was a woman of substance, of great wealth. There had to have been a man, I would think, at some point. I'm assuming that she's a widow. Uh, but there's no man there associated with her. So she, it was her household, which means she had lots of servants. I don't know how many children she had, but she had a large household because you have to understand that, that, that this woman was a... She was... Well, I'll get into that. I'll keep going. I'm trying to get ahead of myself. But, but again, she... She knew everybody in my house got to get saved. Listen, if we're going to run a household that's peaceful, they need to know what I know. Because, you know, where Jesus is, there's peace. And where Jesus is not, there is no peace. And a house divided against itself cannot stand, and the Bible says so. So what did she do? She went home to make peace in her home. She went home and she took Jesus home with her. And she made sure that Jesus was spoken of in her home. That everybody in her home knew of her love for Jesus. And I'm assuming her home was filled with talk and songs and praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us they were all baptized. Amen. She commun- hey, listen, she privately communicated her heart to them, and if they couldn't do it, what did the Holy Ghost have to do? It opened their hearts too. And they all got saved. And what happened when they got saved? She said, Hey, let's all get your baptized too. So they all went and got baptized. Just imagine the joy that filled her heart. Time that day was over. They had a revival. They had, they had had a glorious, glorious meeting. God's timing is perfect, isn't it? Hang on, we're almost there. I can see the gate from here. Amen? I know I'm going along, but I ain't going along yet. We ain't even 12 yet. Hold on, man. They spewed after this, I promise. But they all got baptized. You see, what started out looking like an unfruitful journey, and it did, it suddenly became a great harvest. Suddenly. Wasn't even expecting it. Well, I guess we ought to 
Silas, Timothy, Luke, y'all get, your, y'all get dressed up. We're gonna, I guess we ain't no Jews here. I guess we'll just ease that down the river and see if we can find somebody to talk to. Hey, ladies, y'all Jewish? Hey, we are, we, we, we know, we know the Bible pretty well. Let's preach to you. I was excited to hear the word. Amen. And God just moved in. God just moved in. Man always has to follow God. You understand that? You can't leave God. God's not. You don't want to grab God. Come on, go where I'm going. That just don't work. You can't do that. You have to be patient. And if you're trying to run off and say, God, I'm going to let you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. God says, okay. Well, when you get tired of running around, doing your thing, and you're ready to get serious, come back here and I'll leave you. A lot of people chase their tail for years, think they're serving God. They just happen to run and do something they think they're trying to do to please God, and yet they ain't serving God at all because they ain't what he intended for them to do. God is not going to follow us. We've got to follow him. Number nine. Good news. I ain't the 10. Amen. All right, look here. Number nine. Verse 15. When she was baptized in her household, she besought us. Saying, she begged us basically. That's what besought. I mean, she was basically begging, saying, "If you have, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, if you think I'm a faithful woman to the Lord," she said, "Come into my house and abide there." What did she do? She got saved that day. She got baptized that day. She went soul winning at home. She got home all her house saved. Just saw them baptized. And all that happened in one day, and she wasn't even expecting nobody to show up that day. All she expected was to pray with her friends, and God showed up and moved in, and her whole life is transformed. And she's sitting there basking in the glory of it all, and she looks around, and all she has, and she says, I need to get home, Mr. God. I need to live right here with all this. I need, I need, no part of my life I should be selfish over. I gave me, he's gave me eternal life. He's given me everything. I shouldn't be selfish with anything I have. I've got this big house, and these guys are having to stay down here at this place in the end because they ain't got any place to stay. Y'all please come stay with me. Please, come stay in the house. Immediately. She was a wealthy woman. She was an independent businesswoman. She was a woman, listen to me, she was a woman of high esteem. She would have dealt with noblemen, kings, and, and queens, and princes, and princesses. Because only royalty wore purple. So she is in a very, very niche industry. Uh, there, there's, there was the, the matter plant, which you could get purple dye from, and then there's a mollusk that, that got even more pure purple dye. And that was her life's work, was procuring this purple dye and dyeing material for these royals to wear on the hem of their garment to show that they were nobility. So she she was she was a very well spoken, well mannered woman, very you know, very well thought of. She could have done whatever she wanted to. She had her own estate. She had all these servants. But immediately there was no hesitation on her part. She surrendered it to God. I wonder what you're holding on to that you haven't surrendered to God. Since he saved you, washed you in his blood. I'm not picking or needling this morning. I just want you to think about it. Because it's all his. And if we've been selfish with it, God can't use it. And it's a waste. 
God poured his love into her heart, and she wanted to love him back. He'd given her the greatest love she'd ever known, and she wanted to give him all the love of her heart. And she said, Lord, I can love you. But let me me tell you something. That's the question. I don't expect an answer because there's so many of you. But listen to me. How do we love How can you love God? And anything that you gave him, he'd have to give you for you to give back to him, first of all. So how can you love God? It's very simple. It's two words. Love others. Jesus said when you, when you gave her, come back to water, or the man or something, you're going to Love thy neighbor is thy Second commandment is like the first. Amen. She loved him back by loving others. She said, I don't I have all this, this room and I know that you men are the servants of the most high God and I know that you're on a mission from God and if I can in some way help you, if I can in some way help to benefit the cause of Christ, I'd give you everything I got to use. All she had was his. Is all you have his? And lastly, I see the last thing, the last four words in verse 15. And she constrained us. She wouldn't take no for an answer. I'm sure Paul didn't want to burden her down. I'm sure Paul didn't want, I mean, here they are, it's four, four grown men. I mean, they're going, I ain't know it would be a burden. They come in your house, you know, it's changes. You got people there. We don't, we don't, we don't want to weigh you down. We, we're working with God. We don't want to, she's like, no, you're staying here.
Amen. When it's love, you'll do anything for God. Amen. Let's stand together.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.